0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota,
0: and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm going back to the pen today. How could I not? A big win yesterday. Sam Ekstrom filling in for Reggie Wilson.
1: I guess just a couple of bros talking sports on a Friday.
0: Hey, what's better than this? Guys being dudes. #Hashtag Chemistry. You're right, though. We got a lot to catch up on. Talking NBA draft, how the Timberwolves lineup will look next season, plus later, flashback Friday. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. So before we get into the Wolves draft itself, a draft, by the way, I think many would say would make Rick Spielman blush after all the wheeling and dealing that took place. Let's start at the top. I was told Jabari Smith was a lock to go number one of the Orlando Magic, but they start out the night with the old switcheroo for Duke's Paolo Bonchero. Chet Holmgren, two to the Thunder. Jabari Smith drops three to the Houston Rockets. Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey round out the top five. I know this draft was known for being strong at the top, but... Let's face it, it's rare to find the next LeBron or D. Wade or even a Zion Williamson. What's the ceiling of some of these top guys, in your opinion? Like, in the NFL draft, it's always waiting for the next Andrew Luck to come out as a prospect. Where do you see some of these top guys rank in years past, in your opinion? Like, would Paolo or Chet go first or second if they were in last year's class, for example?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and I I tend to, to find that if there's a year where there's no consensus around the number one pick. Usually that player is not a, a future superstar. Typically. Um, I know, you know, the Anthony Edwards year, for instance, most people were pretty sold that Anthony Edwards was the number one guy. Um, that was another top heavy draft, but the fact that we got to the moments before the first pick, and we didn't know who's was, who's was going to be, it was going to be Chet going to be Paulo. was going to be Jabari turns out being the Duke kid. Um, and and that's not to say he's not going to be a good player. He very well might be. But a lot of times when there's no consensus, it's hard to say that any of them are going to be flat-out superstars. Now, I think Chet's uniqueness makes him probably the highest upside in the, in this draft. Because, I mean... You look at other kind of rail-thin prospects who could, like, move around and shoot, and you think about Kevin Durant, um, and you think about, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, you think about Giannis Antetokounmpo, and look at how much stronger those guys got during their careers, um, and even, you know, KD never became a strong player necessarily, but strong for his leanness and the ability to shoot supersedes any lack of strength that he might have. And Chet has that. Chet has handles. Chet has blocking ability. Chet has range. Uh, I think Chet's got a lot of upside, and, and Ron and I were talking on our show about how fun it would have been for the Magic to team Chet up with his former high school teammate Jalen Suggs mm. and build something big in Orlando with two guys who were like best buddies. Um, I'm, I'm sad they didn't do that, but they think they've got something in, uh, in Paulo Banchero. And obviously that's probably huge for the Rockets to have Jabari Smith, a potential number one pick, fall into their lap at number three. So I think everybody probably walks away feeling pretty good about who they got because any one of those three could have been considered a top pick.
0: Yeah, going to be fun to watch them develop their talents over the next few years. So the Wolves were on the clock at 19. EJ Liddell from Ohio State, still on the board at the time, a name ESPN mock drafts had tied to the Wolves leading up through the pre-draft process. He doesn't end up going to the second round, by the way. But before we get to their pick, the actual pick they finished the night with, who were you hoping for? Like, who was the top player on your board you were banging the table for for the Wolves? Like, when the Vikes were on the clock with the 12th pick and Kyle Hamilton was still on the board, I was screaming at my TV. But was there a player you really liked that was still available when they were on the clock?
1: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Liddell because I, Ron and I actually talked about how we liked him a lot on our show. And when I looked at him, I thought of Al Horford, mm. you know, and maybe it's just because Al Horford is front of mind after watching the finals and the Celtics, but a guy that is super tough, has a little bit of range, um, is not going to back down from anybody, going to be able to score around the basket, uh, just a, a pure power forward. I thought that that he kind of fit that bill. Maybe, you know, play a little three, play a little four. Um, I would have loved to have him. And unfortunately, the Wolves could have taken him in the second round. At number forty, and they they traded that pick, moved back again in the second, and then he ended up going number forty-one. So he was available, and you know, I guess in retrospect, taking him at nineteen or twenty-two would have been a reach based on where he went. Um, but but that was a player I liked. I also liked the Serbian uh, kid Jovic, Nikola yeah. Jovic. You know, one constant different from uh, from Jokic, same country. Um, similar skills, you know, not as, not as strong as Jokic, certainly at this point, but again, a guy that has range has an opportunity to grow into his frame and maybe be that kind of unicorn that just can do everything. Um, and I thought that would have been a really intriguing piece, especially when the Wolves had two picks in that first Mm -hmm. round to use one of them on a bit of an international flyer would have been, would have been interesting. Um, but now we can get into the guys they took. I I think that you can always second guess, but you're not going to know the answer to your second guess for about three years down the road. Um, and, and the Wolves did get a couple guys that I think might be able to contribute right away. So at least for 2022-23, 20, the Wolves might actually see some immediate dividends. They just might not see the superstardom uh, of some of these other guys that, that inevitably one or two of them will become.
0: All right, you just mentioned it. Let's get to the goods. The Wolves' actual draft pick. So they end up drafting Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest at 19. They trade him for the 22nd pick and land Walker Kessler from Auburn. Sam... Not known for being a deep dive basketball guy. Here's what I know about him. Tall, long, over seven feet, without the Air Jordans on, and was the defensive player of the year. Gotta love that. Wolves get a true center and some serious size. Something I think a lot of fans were hoping for they would get this offseason. They lacked with Carl Towns and Nas Reed manning the middle last year. What else can you tell us about Kessler and how does he change what the Wolves want to do on the court? Like what kind of new flexibility and versatility will they have when Kessler's in the game?
1: Yeah, well, Wolves definitely took a step forward defensively last year, but they were not all the way there. They've still got a lot of work to do. Carl Anthony Towns has been much maligned for his defense. He often melts against some of those bigger fives, and this gives the Wolves the opportunity to put Cat at the four position, the power forward, and have Walker Kessler be the spot center. When he comes in, probably not for a ton of minutes per game. He's definitely a bench guy at first, but to have him play 15 minutes and give – cat either arrest or knock him over to that smaller position will allow that just big natural body to, to block shots and D guys up in the post Uh, you know, sec defensive player of the year, big time shot blocker, like 19% block rate or something that that Ben Beacon told us on, on Ron's show. So that's going to be his calling card immediately. And if that's your baseline, if you're going to be a fierce defender in the post uh, I think that's great. That's great for a role player, for a niche player doesn't seem like he's super refined on offense. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago for the Golden Gophers when they brought in Liam Robbins from from Drake. For one year, he was a 7-footer. And I think that Walker Kessler is a fairly similar kind of player. You know, 7 feet, a little bit lumbering, not necessarily a lot of natural athleticism, not necessarily a lot of shooting ability from the outside. He tried 53s last year and made 10. And that's with a shorter 3-point line. So to say that he's going to come in and be a spread-the-floor kind of guy... No. But if he was drafted in 2002 instead of 2022, mm-hmm. probably would have been more highly regarded, right, Luke? Mm-hmm. Because at that time, the big men lived in the paint. They lived in that 15-foot radius around the basket. Now everyone expects them, oh, he can't shoot. He's not a modern big man. I think he can still do good things, though. And and if he's doing that in 15-minutes-per-game kind of role, I think he can be useful right away because you can't duplicate that kind of size and Nas Reed certainly is giving you a lot of effort and he does give you the shooting but he doesn't give you that natural size 7'5 wingspan mm. that Kessler has. So I can see him being on the floor on a game by game basis and, and in the right matchup he might be extremely useful and if Towns is in foul trouble now you have someone you can trust to go in for him for those minutes.
0: Yeah, a lot of good points there. Wolves wheeled and dealed all night. They ended up drafting three more players, giving up three future two They got back to future twos. Of the three players they drafted after Kessler, what sticks out and who excites you the most?
1: It's got to be Wendell Moore Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I couldn't pick out the two they selected in the second round if you showed him to me next to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so let's just talk about Wendell Moore from Duke. Obviously, someone we watched a lot of in March Madness. He was part of that amazing Duke draft class this year, part of their Final Four run when they lost to UNC. Uh, but Wendell Moore, if you look at his stats year over year, this is not a one-and-done guy, you know, And and I think that's good. That means he can probably contribute a little more early for the Wolves. Um, He's 20 years old. He's played three years of college ball. His three-point percentage improved about 10% every year from 20 to 30 to 41 last year. Uh, His assists improved. His rebounding improved. He just came into his own as a junior. uh, And I think everybody's kind of labeling him 3 and D. He's going to spread the floor. He's going to shoot, shoot the rock. He's going to be able to defend a couple of different positions. And that that's what the modern player represents. So if Walker Kessler is a throwback, Wendell Moore is the future kind of player. And that's someone that, like, like a Jalen Noel, you're trying to look for a little instant offense coming off the bench. That's what Wendell Moore gives you. The wolves didn't have an incredible amount of like guard depth coming off the bench last year. You know, Josh Okogie wasn't really in in the coach's favor. McKinley Wright never played. Um, they they weren't that deep of a team. And now I think that with Wendell Moore, um, once he once he refines a little bit, I think he's going to be able to come in and be sort of that microwave shooter who you can just you know turn the heat on and he can give you a few points here and there.
0: Yeah, a lot of good points there as well. I always think it's interesting and kind of fun to see the next day after the draft, the dust settles, to see how the NBA Futures Finals lines move at all. You can check all that on Bet BetOnline. BetOnline is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get all the latest stats, news, and info on BetOnline. Check out BetOnline.com today. That's BetOnline.com. So last one here as we wrap up, Wolves draft, it's over. We head into free agency next week. There was a lot of speculation about the possibility of moving D'Angelo Russell in that monster contract. Now that the dust is settled from draft night, knowing the players the Wolves have added, how do you think this D'Lo situation shapes out when it's all said and done, if you had to guess? And is there any more likelihood he's moved now that the draft is over?
1: Yeah, I think the likelihood decreases that he's moved because now you know, you're no longer able to either give your assets to another team or they're not going to give you assets for this draft and that that matters a lot you know that when the when the wolves got Jimmy Butler uh, you know, the the draft capital of that draft night was pretty important in that trade. So to say that that he's more likely, certainly not. He's less likely to be dealt. Um, but it's not impossible either. I mean, there are still you can still trade future picks. Uh, you can still, you know come up with the right package of players. May, there might be another team looking to dump expiring contracts on your plate. Th- the problem is with that, that's not really useful to the wolves because the wolves are not a team in sell mode. That's the issue with having a pseudo-superstar in the last year of his deal, and you still want to be competitive. The Wolves are probably better with D'Lo than they are with a bunch of spare parts. So you don't want to ship his contract off unless you are freeing up a bunch of money that you can play with in free agency or getting a player of his caliber in return. Uh, So now that you can't, you don't get like a premium draft piece for this year in exchange for him. That there's probably fewer scenarios where teams are going to be able to give you what you want. And if you keep D'Lo, you know, then you're at where you were last year or better. You know, I I think the Wolves have the ability with this current core to probably be a top five seed in the West. They uh, last year, if had they not had that COVID stretch where everybody got sick. They could have been a 50-win team easily, um, and they could have been a much higher seed. So I think that that they're fine with D'Lo. It's just that you hate to see someone of his trade value just walk off into free agency and get nothing for him. And that that's what they could be looking at down the road. But it might be worth it to be super competitive this year with him. Um, and then you kind of have to ask, too, where's his head at? Uh, he obviously hears the rumors. He knows that this team might be shopping him. Is he going to play for them? as well as he has and and will his disgruntlement to make up a word uh, have an impact on that locker room
0: yeah a lot to think about there a lot of different factors going to be very interesting nonetheless and probably a little dramatic to follow Mike Conley and his new game plan heading into free agency again next week and all the rumors swirling around D'Angelo Russell rest assured we'll be here to break it all down all right Let's talk about those twins for a second, shall we? Twins finally got one, and oh boy, oh boy, did they need it. Nick Gordon with the solo bomb. That's all they needed. That was enough in the end. Twins win one nothing over the Guardians and get this division all tied back up for first place. Sam, 1-0 heading into the ninth inning. You could feel the entire stadium holding their breath. We were all thinking of it. After two come from behind, late inning wins, no way it could happen again, right?
1: Well, Rocco was tempting the baseball gods <laughs> when he, he puts in Jehon Duran in the ninth inning. He gets an easy out on a mm-hmm. strikeout, and then he yanks him for Caleb Thielbar um, in in the ultimate i mean the the ultimate risk move to go to an inferior reliever all re, all due respect to Caleb Thielbar you're going to a less explosive more vulnerable vulnerable relief pitcher just because he's a lefty just because you're trying to get that lefty lefty matchup and what happens the lefty gets a base hit on him Moves to second base on a wild pitch. He's in scoring position. So Theobar now has the unfavorable matchups. He's got to you know get two guys out, and by golly he does. He uh, almost threw the ball away <laughs> to first base. He gets a little bunt, little swinging bunt back to the pitcher. Almost throws it away, but Miranda digs it out and then he strikes out the final guy to end the game. Huge sigh of relief. Um, but you know what, Luke? The wolves. Or, I'm sorry, the Twins need to take advantage of this weekend because they've let too many opportunities like this slip away where they play bad teams. um, Like the Tigers in Detroit, they lose four Mm -hmm. of five, go to the Diamondbacks. They lose two of three, got to beat the bad teams. We've talked about this all year and occasionally sweep the bad teams. They're playing a bad team in Colorado this weekend. Colorado is awful on the road. The twins cannot settle for less than two wins and they should go for the sweep. They might get Buxton back in the lineup, Uh, you got to make up for some of these recent losses by beating an interleague team that really has no business being in, in your class. So if the Twins can go into Cleveland riding a little bit of a winning streak, I think that's great for them. This is an opportunity for them to get right. And, and when you win a little one nothing game, that can flip momentum. So I want to see a, a really aggressive mindset this weekend from the Twins. I want to see Rocco manage these games like they're must-win games because suddenly this is a heated division race. The Twins are in the thick of it, and you got to start beating these well below 500 baseball clubs.
0: Yeah, that win felt good yesterday. Back in first place today, that feels good, and of course, a sweep that would feel awfully good as well. You know what else feels good? Using Blue Nile jewelry. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get 50 bucks off purchases of $500 or more. Use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to Blue. Lunile.com today so sam espn released their early all-star voting and two twins landed on the list byron buxton Luisa rice feels pretty chalk here any thoughts on twins possible snubs or guys who caught your eye that did make the list i mean at the beginning of the season maybe you think carlos correa has all-star capabilities but just not consistent enough to warrant any voting here three weeks before the break
1: you know, Correa is the sneaky name, though, that you mentioned. He's hitting three oh three right now, mm-hmm. and he's got the name recognition like versus a Luis Arise, who is certainly the most deserving. I mean, Arise needs to be on that all-star roster, but he doesn't have the name recognition. Uh, Carlos Correa does, and he has the stats to back it up, and he's playing great baseball right now. I've seen some stats posted just about... Some of his analytics, like his, his, his barrel rate, his exit velocity, uh, even his outs have been really authoritative. He's hitting the ball really hard right now, and he's got that average up over 300 after a slow start. So I think Correa could be a snub if it's a little too late for him to gain traction in that, in that voting. He may not make it, but he maybe should have. Uh, Byron Buxton is interesting because he's you know clobbering home runs right and left, 19 on the year. His average is low. He's in and out of the lineup. He's kind of an enigma. Uh, I think Buxton, though, is the kind of exciting player you want playing in Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. He represents exactly what fans love. Guys that are incredibly fast, who run the bases well, who play defense well, who aren't just one-trick ponies who homer or strike out. He does it all. Uh, So I think he should be in the All-Star Game, too. I mean, I think you can make a case that there are a handful of position players that deserve it for the Twins. And then from a pitching standpoint, I don't think they'll have anybody in. But I got to say, I think Joe Ryan is a future All-Star. I don't think this is his year, but... If he keeps pitching the way he is and ga- gains a little respect, Joe Ryan will be on that team.
0: Carlos Correa heating up right now, about three weeks left. Get your votes in before that all-star break hits. Twins go straight from that dramatic series with Cleveland to host the Rockies tonight in the backyard at Target Field, as you mentioned. First pitch, seven ten p.m. Dylan Bundy on the mound, rest assured, we'll be back here Monday to break that entire series down. All right. The time has come favorite segments here. It's Flashback Friday, so gather around the fire for a blast from the past. And in honor of last night's draft, we're going to take a little flashback at the five best Timberwolves draft picks of all time. And Sam, to be honest... (laughs) I had a little trouble coming up with this thing because up until the last few years with Cat and Ant, the Timberwolves front office was not hitting a very good average. So first couple honorable mentions, Zach Levine still ripping it up in the league. 13th overall pick from UCLA. Gave the Wolves three fun seasons. Eventually helped bring Jimmy Butler to Minnesota. Another honorable mention. How about Isaiah Ryder? Fifth overall pick from UNLV in 93. Averaged nearly 20 points per game, but again, only played three seasons here in Minnesota last one you got to mention them at least Christian Leitner drafted third overall in 93 behind of course Shaquille O'Neal and Alonzo Mourning pretty good I think we all know how that story ended Leitner played again three seasons with Minnesota quick thoughts on those uh, three before we jump into my top five
1: yeah yeah you going old school with a couple of those Mm and uh, you know I'm not gonna knock Leitner. Leitner's a a super exciting player. Didn't really match the hype in, in the NBA that he did in college. But he's got a documentary
0: uh, about him though. So
1: Yeah, yeah. What is it? I hate Christian Leitner. Is that yeah. The name of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Isaiah Ryder, yeah, another one who just who was super talented, kinda had some, you know, off court issues and, and didn't really Again, live out mm-hmm. what Wolves fans were hoping, but another very talented player. And what was your third one?
0: Uh, Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Levine I, Only three years here, but boy, he was fun when he came out in those fine. first couple of years. Man, uh, remember he went to the uh, dunk yeah. contest, put on a show, a lot of fun during those three years.
1: No, no doubt. And if he's still playing for the Wolves now, he's probably in the top five mm-hmm. because, oh, for sure, I mean, when you look at what he's become. In Chicago, honestly, Luke. I mean, who are we kidding? Levine's going to be the next ex-Wolf to to have a ring. Of course, that, that's probably going to happen. But no, let's uh, let's get into this top five. I'm I'm excited to see what list you have, and uh, I'm kind of rapidly compiling mine in my head right now, and it's uh it is a little tricky. It's, to come up with like a firm five.
0: It's actually pretty depressing, man, once you end <laughs> up looking at some of the other great teams and franchises in the NBA and seeing all the potential the Wolves could have, should have, eras of basketball in Minnesota over the last couple decades. All right, number five on the list. Stephon Marbury, again though, only spent three seasons with the Wolves, but we all know the rest. What's funny about this is the Bucks actually drafted Marbury fourth overall in 96 and then traded him for Ray Allen, one of the all-time greats in NBA history, who was drafted by the Wolves with the very next pick. So, I mean, Stephon Marbury, yeah, pretty good. Makes the top five, but
1: could have had Ray Allen, Sam. Yeah, that one hurts. That was the, the first of many draft hurts. Hmm. And it, I'm sure I'm gonna forget somebody too because I'm looking at the list that only shows literally who the wolves picked. Oh, sure. So it it shows Ray Allen, Mm -hmm. doesn't show Marbury. So I mean, so there's already one name that I probably would have had on the list. But what about? I mean, so if you think about talent, certainly edge to Marbury. But when you compare him to Rubio, Mm. that was my number five. Mm -hmm. Rubio absolutely captured the imagination of the fans here. His passing was amazing. He was a better teammate than Marbury. He played here longer than Marbury. He had like a a reunion with the Wolves, came back, and was beloved. Um, Again, and a lot of these guys, they just didn't quite become what you wanted them to. But I think Rubio, maybe he belongs more in the honorable mention category but I think he's right on the edge there, right around number five.
0: Both have a little bit bad taste in your mouth, obviously. We know Rubio was selected before. Steph Curry, along with Johnny Flynn. Stephon Marbury, again, tied to trading away Ray Allen. Number four on the list, Wally Zerbiak. Six overall, 99, out Mm -hmm. of Ohio. Seven seasons with the Wolves. Now we're getting somewhere. One-time All-Star. A lot of fun to watch for all those years. He was eventually traded to the Boston Celtics in a blockbuster deal. Any memories of Wally that stick out to you?
1: Yeah, Wally was the first jersey that I ever owned for there the you Wolves. Go. Uh, I had this thing for, like, weird names. So I had Dugman Minkiewicz, <laughs> the twins, and I had Wally Zerbiak for the Wolves. And I was such a nerd back then that I would just brag to everybody that I could spell Zerbiak. You know, S-C-C-Z-E-R-B-I-A-K. Um, loved Wally's shot. Mm-hmm. It was a... Uh, pure three point shot and um he was kind of the the right hand man there for KG for a few years when my like sports knowledge was just kind of coming into its own i loved watching wally and kg so that was uh that was a good era too bad they didn't fun. win like a playoff series ever but ever, it was not fun.
0: once. Well, <laughs> when you end up squeezing in and playing the number one seed every year, the Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe <laughs> and Shaq, like every year, pretty unrealistic that as much yeah. as we love Wally, he's gonna be able to carry that team past guys like Kobe and Shaq. All right, number three on the list. Kevin Love, originally the fifth overall pick from Memphis out of UCLA in 2008. Remember, another draft day trade. Remember, the Wolves drafted O.J. Mayo with the third pick, swap selection. Love goes on to play six seasons, three-time All-Star, averaged 20 points, 12 boards. It's just a machine and the focal point of the Wolves team during that era. Thoughts on Kevin Love's time in Minnesota and career as a whole, obviously goes and hooks up with LeBron, adds a ring to the uh, resume
1: yeah well this is my own fault for ill preparedness but i i need to adjust my list already because again the trade deal has thrown me off because i didn't i didn't consider love obviously love is is a top five draft Mm -hmm. pick i think he knocks rubio off my list Mm -hmm. i think love is love is five wally becomes four and rubio is firmly in the honorable mention category Kevin Love was sort of the shooting big man before it was trendy. Mm-hmm. Like he was at the very front end of that trend when suddenly he was, you know, shooting threes, getting 22 rebounds a night. Didn't he have a 30 30 game along the way? Yeah, like he, he, did. he did things that had never been done in the NBA before. And that's another gigantic, wasted prime. the wolves because that was an amazing player that just never had the the supporting cast and they never made the playoffs that's a huge bummer
0: yeah you start to go through this list and you just feel this black cloud hanging over the timberwolves organization because as you see a lot of these guys kevin love andrew wiggins you name it ray allen whoever it may be end up winning a championship by the time it's all said and done all right number two on the list we got a tie for number two sam Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, because both selected number one overall, but it's too early to tell which one will go have the better Wolves career. Cat came out in 2015 out of Kentucky, of course, cup all-stars to his resume. And of course, from a lot of people's perspective and experts say maybe one of the best or most talented big men in the NBA, Anthony Edwards, his flash greatness already, two seasons under his belt, and his trajectory, I mean, his stock still pointing way up. Things could only get better from here. Thoughts on the tie here? Tough to pick one. How do you go? I think I go with Kat.
1: And mm-hmm. that's mainly for, for longevity. Mm-hmm. Seven years. Um, He's he's shooting the following slash line. 53% from the field. 40% from three. For his career. Oof. Seven years as a big man. How many shots is that? In just total... That's almost 2,000 threes. Wow. He's shooting 40%. And... You know, and from the free throw line, eighty-three percent. I mean, that, that he is one of the greatest shooting big men of all time, and he's probably not properly appreciated because he hasn't had playoff success. He can be a little bit whiny on the court, um, and I think Anthony Edwards has the ability to pass him quickly. I think it's like a two A and two B at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I give the edge to Cat because he has done it for a longer period of time, and he's done very unique things for his position. But I think Edwards has the ability to fuel a team's playoff success, whereas Cat probably needs to be like the, the, the second banana. He needs to be the supporting superstar. Uh, but I will go Cat for what he's accomplished in seven years in the league. He's my number two and is my number three.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Can't argue again. Longevity, seven seasons under the belt. Cat's got it. If it were to end the day, obviously Cat's going to get that. But if you just look at the natural road to development and progression that Anthony Edwards is on, you assume he would eclipse at some point in his career, Carl Anthony Towns. No knock on Cat by any means. It's just what we've seen, what he's flashed already under two seasons, has a chance to be one of the best Timberwolves of all time. Going to be a lot of fun to watch his career continue to develop over the next few years. All right, finally, number one on the list. No big surprise here. The big ticket, KG, Asterovich. Kevin Garnett, <laughs> Nikolo Pekovic. There he is. All right. The big ticket, Kevin Garnett, fifth overall pick out a fair Farragut Academy, 1995, 14 seasons in Minnesota, 10-time All-Star, as if there was ever a doubt who the number one pick would be. KG, the best pick of all time in Minnesota Timberwolves history. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, just the heartbeat of a city um, for for 12 years. And I wonder sometimes if the Wolves hadn't had the 2004 playoff run Mm -hmm. where Garnett wills them to a game 7 victory over the kings um, puts up 32 points i want to say about 20 <laughs> 21 rebounds like mm-hmm. five blocks jumps on the scores table uh, just an epic epic game 7 if if not for that i wonder how he'd be viewed in this town because then you'd be talking about a, a full career really with no playoff series wins at all but they did have the one year and it was uncharted territory for the wolves at the time he took them into a new frontier now, the problem is that they couldn't back it up because of mismanagement. They had they lost a million first-round picks in the Joe Smith ordeal. Glenn Taylor has never been the greatest owner of all time. Um, and the fact that Flip Saunders and KG just couldn't have that sustained success is is, is really a bummer. And they ran into the buzzsaw that was the Lakers dynasty. Mm-hmm. The three-peat Lakers were in really the heyday of where the Wolves could have been, kind of that lo- that beloved... Um, other Western Conference power and the Lakers kept getting in their way and they got in their way in 2004, in the Western Conference Finals when uh, when they knocked the wolves off in six. So Garnett will, uh, I mean, Hall of Fame player, unbelievable leader, unbelievable effort, unbelievable defense. He just he really changed an organization. Unfortunately, the changes that he helped enact, weren't long-lasting just because of so many factors that are out of, out of everyone's control and the upper crust of the Wolves. Um, I, I, I wish that he could have experienced better yeah. in Minnesota. That's how
0: I'll leave it. You look back... Almost a case can be made that it was even more impressive what he did with so little help around him. He literally carried and willed that team to so many impressive seasons with not a lot of talent around him. When you looked at their opponents like top teams in the league at the time, like a Kobe and Shaq did, thankfully he did go on, got his ring in Boston. I think Wolves fans were secretly smiling over that one, saying, Yeah, finally, he got one. He deserved it for sure. That's your top five. Not exactly the most prestigious list by any means. Fun fact though, Sam, do you know who Hmm. the very first pick for the Timberwolves organization was? Pooh Richardson. Pooh Richardson, you looked, you cheated. All right, very first pick, Timberwolves organization, 1989. Again, only played three seasons, but 10th overall pick out of UCLA, averaged 15-10 and 10 per game. And that, my friends, is your flashback. Friday, Sam, thanks for joining me. For a little blast from the past, good times by all. We're back here Monday, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Sam Ekstrom. Follow him on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in Monday to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until Monday, signing out. This is
1: Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked
0: On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.